You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, hosted by Dr. Heidi. Dr. Heidi has been exactly where you are right now. She's walked through the fire of toxic relationships and has now dedicated her life to help others do the same. Living in a toxic environment can cause the damaging behaviors of others to become normal, leaving you feeling hopeless and desperate. Learning how to recognize the toxic traits and understand why they occur is the key to taking your power back. Now is the time for you to gain your self-worth because you're worth it. Discover who you really are because you're awesome. And realize it's not normal. It's toxic. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. You're listening to It's Not Normal, It's Toxic, Bridge Your Life of Toxic People. Uh, This is Dr. Heidi. And as most of you know, I... I like to be myself on the podcast. So you guys have heard my ring hit my coffee cup and I know it annoys some of you. You've heard my husband come in and hand me a tax refund check. You've heard my daughter flush the toilet. Um, But I have to tell you, I was recording with a guest yesterday and this was a first for me. Um, When I record with a guest, even though right now you don't see the video, I record with video so we can see each other's faces. And we were 20 minutes into this recording and all of the sudden I hear this commotion and I look up just, just in time to see her ripping off her headset and trying to scoot her chair back. And by the time I actually got focused on the screen, she was completely gone. And in my head, I am sitting there going, oh, did I say something? Like, you know, but it was, it was almost like she just spontaneously combusted in her chair. She was gone in three seconds. Um, anyway, it wasn't funny at the time because what had happened is her, her son had got a little bit low blood sugar and she heard him hit the floor and he had fainted in the kitchen. And so anyway, it was, it was, it's funny now because he's okay and everything is fine. But when I think back, it was like, I was just going along and all of a sudden my guest was just missing. And so today we are on take two. And so I want to welcome back, um, Courtney, Thank you for being here. Thank you for trying it again. I'm sorry that happened, but it, at the end when we knew he was fine, it, it made me laugh a little bit because it was just like, poof, you were gone. Um, <laughs> Take yes, two. Yes, so Courtney and I are here to uh, try this again. And so what I'm gonna do is, um, I know a little about Courtney's story. She is a member of the Strength Within group. Um, she has been for quite some time, but I'm gonna let her kind of introduce herself she has a story, um, both a relationship story and um, a journey through healing story that I think is going to resonate with um, some particular listeners. And uh, she's she is she's proving to be very positive and very powerful. The more um, I listen to her speak, um, she's very very confident in the words that she says when you hear the stuff that she's been through, obviously we all have our own story. So, um, you know, we don't compare, not one is different than the other, but, um, she has some good things to share. And, and so I'm just going to let her introduce herself and I'm going to let her go ahead and just start where she wants to in, um, in her journey. So Courtney, welcome. Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that this second try is uh, way less dramatic <laughs> and I won't have to be a magician and disappear this time. <laughs> thank you for having me, Heidi. Um, and thank you for allowing me to share my story. I hope that um, the people that this resonates with will come away with something really positive. So, okay, let's start at the beginning. You know, I've had a lot of time to reflect on how I got to this point. And I think we all sit there and say, oh my gosh, how did, how did I let this happen? How did I get here? And 
you know, for me and probably for a lot of your listeners, I realized that there were a lot of aspects of my childhood that set me up for my relationship with my toxic person. And in my instance, it was my husband. Um, I was an only child. I was very close to my parents, especially my mother. My mother stayed home with me. My dad worked full time. And I had a really great relationship with my mother. But my mom had a lot of toxic traits. Uh, She was very, very aware of appearances, how things looked from the outside, and not so much how they felt on the inside. Um, When I met my toxic person, I was 23. Um, I was in my final year of of college. And that's a real interesting time in your life because you don't know what's going to happen next. It's really scary. And on top of it, I I think too, like society kind of lays out your steps. So when you aren't sure what you do, you just go, okay, well, I guess this is the next thing. Exactly. This is what I'm supposed to do. These are the next steps. And I, I had a, a dad that was sick. He, w- he was a, a diabetic for a majority of his life, type two. His kidneys were failing. He had had a kidney transplant and then he had had a stroke. And my parents' relationship was really strained by that because my mother wasn't a caretaker. So she resented my dad and I was constantly put in the middle of the two of them trying to navigate their relationship because I felt that was my role. So here I am accepting this caretaker role because I think that's what you're supposed to do. It's not a child's job to manage their parents' marriage, but I was real comfortable with it. Well, that, that played in quite nicely. I also happened to be getting my degree in psychology. I was working with developmental disabilities and the mentally ill. So I had an understanding of mental illness and trauma and dealing with people that aren't well. Um, Looking back, my joke is that I was a toxic person's wet dream because I see the good in people. Um, I am a positive, joyful, upbeat person and was a nice counterbalance to him and his toxicity. So he and I met, I was 23. He's eight years older than me. So, um, you know, he had a house. He was financially secure. Um, He seemed to have his act together. And I was just doe-eyed and totally swept off my feet, completely love-bombed. He said all the right things. He was charming. He was fun. Um, But it didn't take me long to get that mm, nagging sense that like, ooh, wow, he got really angry at that thing I said that I don't think that's normal. Oh, well. Oh, you know, just sweep it under the rug. Just had a bad day. Everyone has their bad days. And then he also had childhood trauma and um, wore it like a badge of honor and used it as an excuse for poor behavior. And I tried to see past that badge of trauma to who he was. Like, this is the trauma speaking. This is not who you are. Mm. Well, hindsight, again, lots of hindsight. So he, and I made the mistake, like so many of us do, of saying, well, you didn't get love in the way you needed, but I, I am full of love and my love is strong and I will heal you. Mm-hmm. Red flag, I will heal you. I will show you what it looks like to be loved fully and unconditionally. Right. right? But yeah. So it was hot and heavy. It moved really quick. Um, I moved in with him because he lived 30 minutes away. <sighs> and then my, my dad unexpectedly passed away and he was in his mid fifties. And, you know, we had been having some rocky times in our relationship, but my toxic person, he stepped up to the plate and he was right by my side. He was my knight in shining armor through dealing with all of the things that come with a death, including a lot of legal battles with my dad's family. Um, And in all of this, then he proposed to me. And of course I was stuck to him. Like I, I, 
he was my security blanket. So all of the negativity and all the toxicity, I could compartmentalize because look, he's there for me. And I don't know what I would do without him because I'm so grief stricken and I'm, you know, so tumultuous. He felt like my rock. Right. Um, so we got married. We started having a family two years after we got married, we had our first child. And then two years after that, we had the one that you heard hit the floor. <laughs> the always um, the second ones. Always those second ones. They, they challenge it in different ways. Um, but, you know, there was always the sense of walking on eggshells not poking, don't poke the bear, don't wake the beast. And when the kids were little, I've stayed home with them. And so I was their security. I was their love. Mm -hmm. And I could navigate everyone in such a way that I want, I felt like the kids felt safe um, from him. Um, But as they grew up, I started to sit back and realize that the words and the patterns he was using with me, he was now doing with our children. And I'd hear those words come out of his mouth aimed at my kids. And it was horrifying, you know, but by this point, he's the breadwinner. We've been together so long. We have all these kids. There's so much stickiness and so many ties that it never really occurred to me. I should leave. I should get out. I didn't even think it was an option. Right. And things were never so bad for so long with all of us. But between him and I, he had a drinking problem. He would drink to get drunk. He would either be a really, really great time mm-hmm. or a total, total awful time. And I never knew which version I was going to get. Um, But that was between him and I, that wasn't the kids. It was between him and I, it wasn't Mm -hmm. the kids. And I thought I was shielding from them from that. Um, You know, he would do things like, you know, when when you've got little kids and you're staying at home, you become friends with other moms. And what do you do? You sit around and you talk because you're isolated. It's it's hard to be a mom. It's hard Mm -hmm. to be a mother and to not sleep and all of that. And he would say things like, well, you don't go talk to your friends about me because then it'll make us hard, make it hard for us all to be together. But what that also was saying was don't vent, don't process. Um, so, so awful, you know. Don't tell anybody what's going on behind the door. Yeah. Ding, 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 ding. But it made sense. Oh, you know what? You're right. You're right. I shouldn't complain to you. Or, or air our dirty laundry to other people because it will make it hard. Uh, you know, he was a master manipulator. I didn't even see it. And to all the people that sit there and go, oh my gosh, what on earth? How did I get here? You were duped by a master manipulator. And for people that don't think that way, it's unfathomable. You know, it just, it just made me think of something when you were talking and we were talking about behind closed doors mine as the girls as my girls got older would would sit them down and he would he would basically say now remember what what goes on in our house is nobody else's business so just like it's not our business what goes on in other people's houses and so we don't we don't share with other people what goes on in this house so my my girls I mean they knew that 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 wasn't an option yeah. which, which is terrible because they, they, even if they had a teacher or they had somebody to confide in, they still wouldn't because this is now the family rule. Exactly. Yeah. And you only know what you know. And mm-hmm. as children, they only know what they see and what they've been told. So if dad says that, okay, yeah. that's yeah. the rule. That's, uh, they don't, they don't know to think outside of that. Um, Yeah. So, you know, in our household, no one could have a free range of emotions, but him, Mm -hmm. um, it would be explosive anger. And then it it would be trying too hard to overconnect, overconnect. It was like, 
this sense of currency within him. Like I did something awful and I recognize it. I might not apologize for it, but I'm going to go do this really nice thing to balance it out. Um, I, I, you know, the kids would come to me with something that was heavy on their heart or something that he had said or done that was really hurtful. And I knew that if he ever found out that I was keeping secrets, it would be really bad. So in the beginning, I would share, I would say, look, I need to tell you something. They said this, they said that. And he would listen to it. And then he would turn around and go confront them. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're not a safe space for this. You're saying there can't be secrets, but when we tell you the truth, we're punished. Yeah. So it's this real awful, awful dynamic. And so you learn very quickly, okay, my, my mode of protection just went up seven notches. Completely. Yeah. Completely. Um, so appearances, you know, were of course, like most toxic folks, um, they were really, really important. He would buy clothes for the kids because he wanted them to have a certain look. And if the kids didn't like what he bought, he would be personally offended Mm -hmm. if the kids or I didn't like what he cooked or, 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 you know, "Eh, it needs more salt. It needs more. He would be personally offended. So, but then he would ask, what did you think? So then you're forced to lie. Yeah. So you're always forced to lie to put up this facade to keep him at bay. So we all learned what our role was and what we needed to do and what kind of eggshells we needed to walk on. Um, I was made to feel guilty for spending money on myself. Yes. Uh, partly because I didn't make as much. And yet he would find a passion, whether it was photography, designer clothes, stereo equipment, uh, landscaping, and he would go bananas. Yeah. But he would justify it saying, well, everyone benefits from what I do. But the things I wanted to pursue were for me. And so I would, if I wanted to spend any amount of money on me, I would get pushback. And he, he was also in finance. So he controlled the purse strings. I stayed out of it. Um, not because. You know, you know, what's funny about that is, is that very, I should have a little dinger so that every time you say something that I can relate to, I can <laughs> um, you know, in, in that situation, um, I, we had a practice together. So, so I was bringing in the same, everything came into the practice, but, but the spending rules like, that you're going through were very similar. So I would figure out how to have hobbies that weren't expensive. And mm-hmm. then it didn't become about money. Then it became about you're spending too much time I'm, doing that. So really, yes. you know, really, even though they just switch what their excuses are. Right. Right. You, know? you can't win. You can't win no matter right. what. Um, so he got fired from a job he had been at for 17 years. And that was really, really hard. His whole worth and value was how much money he brought in. Um, his spiraling just, he was depressed. He was angry. Um, we tiptoed, tiptoed, tiptoed. He jumped into a job that he actually didn't want. And I, how old, I, how old were your kids at the time? Like just so I can like kind of get 12 and 14. Okay. 12 and 14. And this was my, this was, so this is important because it was that first real big aha moment. He took a job where he traveled and he'd be gone for a week at a time. And it, that very first time he left, it only took us about 12 hours to realize we've exhaled. Oh my gosh. It's so nice to not have him here. And I felt bad for that. Like Mm -hmm. it shouldn't be like that, but oh my gosh. And then it was almost like we could sense as his plane was getting ready to land and that weight in our hearts and our souls and this cloud over our house would start to settle again. Um, So that was a really pivotal thing because it was like, whoa, we're pretty joyful when he's not around. And you don't realize how much energy you're spending trying to navigate this toxic person and contain it you know by what you say and what you do and how you walk and how you engage and how you look at them and and you're constantly 
he he would ask you a question and you would go through this mental flow chart of if then you know if i say this this mm -hmm. is the truth but if i say this what are the consequences and almost always never being able to be truthful right. um so he quit that job got another job lost that job and he lost that job right at the beginning of covid so we have um the last few years have been clouded by covid i think for a lot of people suddenly having to be at home all the time yes definitely was really really hard really hard um so here we are we're all in the same house in the meantime my two boys my older one had shot up, gotten big, gotten his deep voice, and started to stand up to dad. And so dad started um, aiming the angst towards my younger child. And he started cutting. He started self-harming. And we took him to therapy, got him. So luckily, virtual became a thing, just like we're doing now got him into therapy and the therapist used the words emotional abuse. And they came home and was like, this is emotional abuse. And what was happening is that when my youngest would put up a boundary, a safe boundary, a healthy boundary, nothing extraneous, that their toxic father would blow up, boundaries aren't safe. If there's a boundary, he saw it as an opportunity to push, push, push. And, and, and it was nothing out of the ordinary. It was just, you've got a boundary. I don't like it. And then right. he would complain to the right. oldest about the youngest. And pit them against each other. Yeah. And they used to be so close. And that's, that's the boundary thing is so hard because when somebody, you know, we teach people to set boundaries and we know we should set boundaries. Yes. But the minute we set a boundary, that's, that is us taking control. And as we know, we are not allowed to have control in this situation. So, I mean, we're not telling our listeners anything they don't know. They already know it's hard to set boundaries. In fact, that's what one of the just more recent podcasts was, was about. And so when we're teaching our, our kids to learn to set boundaries, and then every boundary that they try to set gets blown over, what, what happens is the only thing he felt like he could control was the self-harming, you know, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. we've, you know, there's so many people that deal with that. And when, you know, the eating disorder is the same thing. The only thing I can control is what I'm putting in my mouth. So that's where I get my, my sense of security. Mm -hmm. You control what you can, because so many things are out of control. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, soon after that, I, I had a really close friend that one of those friends that won't just nod and say, yeah, you're going to be great, but we'll tell it to you the way it is. And we need people like that in our life that love us enough to be truthful. And I was regaling the latest trauma, the latest event. And she looked at me and said, Courtney, I know you're not ready to hear this, but you are being emotionally abused. He is a master manipulator. And when you're ready, I'm here for you. And, it, uh, and I didn't hear it. I was like, mm -hmm. no, no, th no, this isn't. Well, maybe. And she connected me with the Facebook group. And after the Facebook group, then I started listening to your podcast. Ooh, and that was, that was another turning point because I got the word toxic. Toxic resonated to my core. And I listened to that very first episode and those first few ones where you're laying it out and it was like, oh, it's got a name. This feeling, this unease, it has a name. It's toxic. Oh my gosh. And it was at that time that things really started to pick up the pace. Our home life was awful. My older child was 16. The one that was a buddy buddy with dad was 16. He could drive. So guess what? He was never home. So it was the toxic person, my youngest and me. And he would just go after our son for everything. So he and I went for a walk to get out of the house, get some fresh air, try to process. And I shared 
what I had learned in the podcast. And then I said, you know what, sweetheart, I'm making a plan. I'm making a plan. I want to get us out. And my child who hates change, who doesn't want anything ever to be any different about anything ever, looked me in the eye and said, mom, can we go tonight? And it took my breath. And I, I, no, sweetie, no, I don't know what these next steps are going to look like, but we can't go tonight. Well, the very next morning, now here's the scary thing. My toxic person, exceptionally intuitive, like borderline psychic sometimes with the way they pick up on things. The next morning, he confronted me and suggested that uh, maybe the youngest and I move in with my mom. Threw it out there. And I was shocked because it was exactly what we had just been talking about the night before on our walk. <sighs> Let it drop. A few hours later, was talking with my younger one and said, hey, what do you think about this? And mid-conversation, the toxic person, he walks in and I said, yeah, we're talking about maybe moving in with mom. And he exploded. Absolute yeah. rage. We didn't agree on this. What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And then it was like, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna do that. And we started getting our suitcases. Um, my older son was staying with a friend on a mini vacation. So he wasn't even around for this. We gathered our stuff, started packing. Um, my youngest is hysterical, has a full-blown panic attack. And the whole time, my toxic person is sitting in the other room going, come here, come here, come here. And he's going, mom, do I have to? Mom, do I have to? I'm like, no, we're going to go. We're going to go. And the toxic person went from crying to yelling to threatening. And I moved through all of it. And I remember thinking he might physically try to stop me. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm just going to keep trudging ahead. So after 45 minutes of frantically finding suitcases and packing things, we put him in the car and he did not stop us from driving off. And that was the scariest moment of my life because it was the first of a really hard boundary that I put in place. I remember the day I did that. The mm -hmm. scariest also. Mm -hmm. I had no plan. I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, and we went, we went to, to my friend's house and started to live in her basement. And a few weeks later, my older son joined. Um, now, in the meantime, I should, I should tell you that my toxic person was threatening suicide. Um, I had begged him to get help, to get therapy. He had been on an antidepressant, but he'd never seen a psychiatrist. You know, and at one point, he had the audacity to say to me, I want you to know that if I do kill myself, it's because you did nothing to stop it. Mm -hmm. Like the levels of manipulation in that statement are just really extreme. Yeah. Um, so my, my next really super validating thing that happened, because I, I think we all, we don't share, we don't share our stories. We don't, people don't see what goes on behind closed doors. Um, but we had already scheduled a video chat with my youngest therapist because my youngest needed to confront their dad and the therapist needed to make sure dad was in a level head space to hear it. And the therapist hadn't engaged dad at all. So here, two weeks after we left, I'm on this video chat with him. It's the first time I've like really looked at him mm -hmm. and the therapist. And we have this conversation, you know, we have this conversation and he's pushing like, you know, I need to know if he used it as a conduit to get to me. Right. For sure. Right. To try to find out what my next steps were, because I had suddenly take, taken the reins and I had told him nothing. I kept saying, you need therapy. You need to get help. I don't know what our next steps are. And I would just say that over and over, over mm -hmm. and over. When we got off that phone call, 30 minutes of the three of us talking, the therapist reached out to me and said, look, I just watched him manipulate you through that entire conversation. You need to get your boundaries firm. 
I want you to read some books. And it, it was the most validating thing ever, because as we know, if you go to couples therapy with your, ther with your toxic person, they put on the facade. Right. And then they very often will you, you know, therapy, you have to be vulnerable. And then they take those vulnerabilities that are exposed. And that's the first place they stick the knife right. when they need to hurt you. So having my child's therapist pull me aside and go, look, I want you to know what I saw mm -hmm. was also exceptionally validating. And the other thing that happened was we got out of the house and I started to talk and I started to share my story with my friends. And almost every one of them said, number one, we had no idea. We always thought things were so great. And then there were others that said, we always sensed something was up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm hearing myself talking about all these things and, you know, you're dredging years and like, and then this happened and this happened and this happened and this happened. And I'm hearing it come out of my mouth and I realize I can't go back. Like I've put this space between us and my kids and I are exhaling. I cannot put them back in there. So I did the second scariest thing I'd done and I filed for divorce. And I had the full support of my children which I, I know not everyone is in that position, but they were old enough to see what was going on and old enough to know that they felt better outside the house than yes. living in it. So I filed for divorce. He pushed back, said he wanted to do therapy instead. And of course, by this point, from the moment we left, he started doing all the things that I had been asking for. Okay. I'm reading, right. I'm reading this book. I'm seeing this therapist. I, I went to a psychiatrist. I'm on all the meds. I'm doing all the things you always wanted. And my response to him was always, I'm glad you're taking care of your mental health. Yeah. But never, oh yeah, here I come. I'm coming back. And he was spiraling because I had completely taken the reins from him. Um, you know, so here's, here's where my story also kind of takes a turn from that belief that narcissists don't ever go through with suicide because they think too highly of themselves. I think that's overall probably, yeah, they use it as a manipulation and they use it as a, as a, as a threat to try to control you, but they don't actually do it. So trigger warning. Um, we, so we were living with my friend and we needed to go get all of our stuff from the house. I gathered a group of my friends um, and we had to, you know, through the lawyers had to schedule a time for us to go do it. He said he'd be out of the house, um, but his behavior had kind of, the way he was engaging me, it was a little bit off. It was a little bit weird. But then again, I've never, I've never put up such a hard boundary. So I have no idea. Like this right. is uncharted territory. And, um, you know, and sometimes you, sometimes you might not pick up on that because if, if, you know, if you're not giving them what they need, sometimes they're already, you know, seeing someone else or secretly, you know, on a dating site or something. So when their behavior changes like that, you know, you might think something's up, but when you look at the past, they've had behavior swings in the past. So you so you probably wouldn't read too much into it, I believe. Right, yeah. right. Like everything's kind of chaotic and unstable. And so like, this is just a new version of it. I just haven't right. seen this yet. Another thing that happened like right in the week before we came to get our things from the house was I, I had spent so much time and energy trying to understand him as the abuser, um, me as my role. And retelling the story it's good it's cathartic but I realized it was I was just I was dredging I was dredging yep. I was dredging and I had that point like four days before we we went to get our our belongings from the house I had that point where I said I'm done giving him my energy mm -hmm. I yep. understand all I need to now it, I will I'll tell it if it's therapeutic or, or, or whatnot, but I'm, I'm going to stop spinning that around in my head and focus on what healing looks like for me. 
So that was this other pivotal moment of kind of starting to take back my personal power from the story, from, from the hurt. So we showed up at the house. Uh, my oldest son had a habit. The few times we had had to go back to the house, he would do a sweep of the house to make sure that his dad wasn't there. Um, we got to the house. His car was gone. My son ran in before us did the sweep of the house and came out holding a piece of paper in his hand, screaming, he did it. He did it. Handed me, like, I'm driving this big old U-Haul, got this caravan of people with me. He hands me the note and I read the first line and I'm like, oh my gosh. And before I can even put the U-Haul in park, my son had run back into the house. And what my husband had done was he had gone into the unfinished part of our basement and he had hung himself and it was my 16 year old son who found him wow and as a mother there is no heartbreak as big as watching your child hurt i can still hear the blood curdling scream as he ran out of the house and fell to his knees, screaming, just, and my, my younger one is screaming and I'm calling 911. I don't even know what happened. I don't know how he did it. All I know is I'm calling 911. And you know, the rest kind of becomes a blur, mm -hmm. but um, it was awful. Here's the blessing in it. I had my closest friends there who love my children and they swooped in and they were able to be there and take them away. Um, and I, I will also tell you that the message of his death was meant for me. Very much meant for me. I don't think he put in his head that it was possible that the kids would have been with me. I never right. told him that they would have because I didn't want confrontation. So I made sure that I, also went and saw him before they took his body away. I needed to see what my son saw because no 16 year old should hold that image in their head by themselves. Yeah, for sure. Wow. So, so right. It's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And, um, you know, from there we stayed with my aunt for a few days and I, I had to plan a funeral for this man. How about I didn't have to, I chose to because right. it was the right thing to do. Right. So I had to stand by his casket while all these people came by who had no idea that I had filed for divorce, that I wasn't living in the house, that our home life was awful. And I mm -hmm. had to have all these people come by me and tell me, oh, how great he was. It was completely surreal. I'm not sure if I was ever fully in my body. <laughs> right. Just nodding, probably. Yeah. There's a lot of, but actually it really tapped into my rage in my anger. And I will tell you, it took a long time before grief actually hit. And it never stayed very long because anger and rage was my, was my fallback. Um, yeah. So, okay. Whew, take a deep breath. That's a whole lot. Um, you know, in the aftermath oh. of, I'm like sitting on the edge of my chair okay. even, and I even knew it was coming. You and... knew it was coming. Whew. You knew it was coming. So, you know, the aftermath was now I've got this house and he liked to spend money and he didn't like to throw things away. He was kind of this like upscale hoarder. And now I have this entire house full of his stuff that I had to clear out. And then I had to um, get our house ready to sell. So like the, the following months were all about just finding us a home because we had moved then from my, my friend's house to my mom's house. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like a lot of upheaval, a lot of turmoil. And, and now I've got these two children who were raised by a narcissist who systematically had always been made to feel responsible for him mm -hmm. and now they blame themselves so needless to say both kids have been in therapy i've been in therapy since before this even started 
I knew going into it that suicide was a possibility. And I tried to arm them saying, I want you to know that whatever your dad decides to do, that he's responsible for his own actions. Mm -hmm. But those are just words. Yeah, You've been raised with someone. We logically, we know that, right. but emotionally, the log, you know, the logic just doesn't. Your head and your heart it. don't always, don't always yeah. communicate well. Um, so I, in May, I, we sold the home. I was able to take that money and buy a home for us now, which is where I'm sitting now. Mm-hmm. Anytime I feel powerless, I look at these walls and I go, but this is mine. This yeah, is and mine. I, and I did it. I did it. Me, just me. I've never done these things. Just me. There's all kinds of adulting that I hadn't done on my own. And now I have no choice. That takes so much courage because everything, when you're having to make big decisions, especially in the state of mind that you had to have been in those big decisions. I mean, you were stepping over fear every day. I'm certain. Yes. Constantly. And, you know, I have supportive friends. I, I'm the luckiest girl in the world because I was supported through this really hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, so he, he, this all happened August, September, October, 2020. Um, we're in our own space, getting our own home helped us to heal. I mean, even in the beginning, parenting by myself was terrifying because I was always a counterbalance to him. And I called myself the sandpaper. Like I'm trying to smooth over everyone's rough edges and you get used to being that, well, now there's no one else to smooth over and it's me. And I also have, you know, my youngest has expressed to me that it's hard to trust me. And this is going to slice through my heart just a little bit, but it's true. It's hard to trust me because I stayed so long. Yes. My, I, I mean, I didn't hear that from my kids, but I did hear it from other people. And, and I heard, um, you know, people saying, I can't believe that you can't set a boundary. And, you know, those, those type of statements, they, they do just absolutely slice because at the same time, they don't realize how hard we were, we were trying. Right. You know, right. Oh my gosh. Every moment I spent so much energy. (laughs) My, my therapist likes to say, you're not good at being abused. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. You're right. I wasn't, I spent so much energy trying to understand me and my soul and him and our relationship and all these ways to try to make everything okay. When nothing I would have done, nothing I would have done would have ever really made it okay um but you know what i think when you when you think about though that though giving up is not an option in our head no you know because because there i do have a podcast on it giving up and letting go are two different things but when we're in that situation all we feel is that we're giving up and how you know how can we do that because we're fighters but then when you realize you know what it's not giving up it's just letting go and it's it's so completely different yeah for sure. For sure. Um, so <laughs> we're doing, we're doing okay. Mm-hmm. We, um, like from the, from the get go, one of the first things my kids did when we left is we went shopping for clothes because that was something he would control. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have a structured meal time. I'd like to sit down with my family and eat, but we would have these structured meals and they were always awful. So now it's like, listen to your body. If you're hungry, eat, eat what you want. Let's try to do some healthy stuff. Well, well, you need to remind your youngest that he needs to listen to his body. And if he needs to eat, he needs to eat. (laughs) Before before you go. She has to work on that, that uh, principle rule. For sure. For sure. But you know, my, my younger, my youngest also had this boundary of not wanting to be touched. And you know what? I respected that. And there are times I think those boundaries were thrown out there just to see if I would respect them, to see if things really are different. Mm -hmm. And every time either one of my children has put up a healthy boundary, I've said, okay, sure. 
you are responsible for you and your body. And if this is a boundary and it's not hurting anyone, then okay. Yep. And then I don't, I don't push. So, you know, my job as a parent, my job, what I feel my job now as a solo parent to these two traumatized children is to work on my own healing so I can be the safe space for theirs. So I can model it. And so that I don't repeat the same patterns because I was parenting in a way untrue to myself to accommodate their dad. Yeah. And so, you know, you, you find this out too, which you've worked through it. When mom is okay, the kids are okay. Yeah. You know, if, if, if yeah. they know mom is calm and mom is handling it or, or not just mom, you know, some relationships, this is the reverse role, but exactly. But, but when their stable person is okay, they're okay. And that's, you know, that was, that's something that you're able to provide now that you could never provide. They have a peaceful, stable place where they are unconditionally loved. Yes. Yes. And un uh, unconditional love, you know, that's, I, it will take them probably into adulthood before they're actually able to really sit back and see what parts of their childhood were abusive and manipulative, you know, so there aren't any secrets anymore. We talk about, we talk about it all the time. Sometimes when there's a death like that, it's very, Ooh, hush, hush. I'm like, no, no. We talk about all of it mm -hmm. all the time. They know about his substance abuse. They know some of the things that went on behind closed doors in our relationship that was unhealthy. And I think they're, you know, I also had to point out the abuse you experienced and that toxicity. I did too. Mm -hmm. And I'm human mm -hmm. and I'm not perfect and I'm going to mess up, but I want them to see that I'm giving it everything I can to focus on me and my healing, uh, struggling with my anger. That has been the biggest, one of the biggest things I've dealt with. And I've used EMDR mm -hmm. and that has proven really, really effective for me. Uh, my oldest has also done some EMDR, but he's not at a point, he's not there. He's not really ready to, to delve any mm -hmm. deeper than that. And well, I respect that. Well, that's funny that you say that about your oldest because um, I was only in therapy for a very, very short time after I had to leave my kids. You know, people didn't really know what to do with me. They didn't know what to say anymore. And, and she started me on that, but she didn't explain anything. And so what was happening is all of this stuff that I had pushed down. Now, now in, in the defense of EMDR and therapy, I do believe that if I would have known that that was going to happen, yeah. it wouldn't have been so upsetting to me. But in my head, I'm like, I am never going back there again because now I'm, now I'm fighting with my, you know, my, my soon to be husband. And I'm, you know, all of this crazy stuff. And so my experience with it was not good, but I, I attribute it 100% to the fact that I didn't understand what was going on. Yeah. And I felt like I worked so, I didn't realize that, that this stuff was just stuffed down. I really felt like now that's in my past and that's behind me. And, and now right. all of a sudden the therapist is like, you know, right. And, and so, you know, your, your son may be feeling a little bit of that, but I have sure. a lot of clients that use it and, and really, really speak highly of it. Yeah. Well, you know, because the, the thing now is I have found myself doing everything I can to remain in a state of self-awareness. When a thought comes in, especially a critical thought, I have to go, is this mine? Mm -hmm. Is this, am I looking at the facts or am I, you know, being played by a trigger or what's going on? And, um, that's been the biggest part of, of mm -hmm. the healing is staying present and recognizing the triggers and choosing a different uh, story Probably, to tell myself. Yeah. Or perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, we may have to uh, reconnect here in, sure. you know, six months or so, because I have a feeling that everything is going to pro progress you know, even faster. And I am, I am so proud of you. And I'm so proud of your voice. This is huge. You are, you are doing amazing. 
with them. Thank um, you. Uh, but you know, is there is there anything else that that you would like to say to the listeners? Like, if there was something you would want an encouragement, or what quote that has carried you through, or something like that. Um. Well, you know, Glennon Doyle's book Untamed kind of came mm-hmm. my way through through all of this, and as I've um, reclaimed my own power and recognize that it's mine and I will never give it away to anyone else. I will never compromise myself ever again. You know, her, (laughs) pardon my language, but you're a goddamn cheetah. Like, don't forget you have more power and you have more control and you can do the hard things. These things are hard and you, you can't do it alone you need the support of other people, which is why your podcast is so important in this Facebook group, because your Facebook group, I've been, I'm in a lot of groups and a lot of them are just people screaming and raging. And, and there is a need for that. There's a need for you to process your anger. Um, but the love and the support that you through these mediums have provided is, is amazing and so important. You don't even know who you're reaching and how you're helping people sometimes. And I think that's really, really important. Well, I, I love hearing that because, you know, when I started the podcast and I started the Facebook group, you know, my intent was, was not what happened. My intent was to be able to start telling my story so that so that I became more comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, there's always a bigger plan. There's always a bigger plan. Exactly. So, um, but but thank you for being with us today. I absolutely 100% know that, that your story is going to inspire and touch many people who hear it. I'm glad I could share. Thank you for listening and sharing this podcast with others. Looking for a community that understands? Join our Facebook support group, Strength Within. For more information on all the services Dr. Heidi provides, please visit www.coachingwithdrheidi.com. It's time for you to break free because it's not normal, it's toxic.